0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Science of the Covenant podcast. Once again, we should, and I want to say shalom to all our listeners. And before we get started, if you didn't know, we have a regular podcast outside of the live stream. Um, It's the same thing here. It's just that we post it where you can listen to it later, rather than audio and video. And I've been noticing in our analytics that we have listeners from all over the world. So I want to say shalom to those throughout the United States, through Germany, Kenya, Russia, Brazil, the United Kingdom, India, Australia, Turkey, Indonesia, Sweden, Albania, and New Zealand so far that we have had listeners listening to our podcast. And we want to thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you. And for those who are tuning in live with us, we also very much appreciate with you. Please make sure you tell your friends, your family about us. We're on every Saturday at 3 p.m. While the podcast is going on, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you're watching on your computer or iPad and you have the chat, you can drop a message or comment in the chat and we will get to it. Uh, live and on air so before we also get started and I hand over to the pastor I want to say he's doing a study on the counting of the omer on the chaveau if you haven't heard the first part last week I suggest you go back and read listen to part one because today we're going to get into part two also and let's talk about it you want to stay around for let's talk about it segment because we're going to talk about birthdays, birthdays in the Bible. So I want to stay tuned. So with that, I will turn it over to the pastor. Pastor, we are on
1: part two of Shavuot. Yeah, we were talking about the significance of Shavuot, and one of the key issues that we are dealing with is how do we calculate uh, Shavuot? And we dealt with some introductory remarks uh, last week. Now we want to get in uh, to this particular subject just to see how we can calculate it. And I think once we understand how to calculate it, then it will not only give us more of appreciation for the day, but I think most of all, it will help us to be in harmony with the correct uh, theology about when to keep this particular day. So with that being said, let us have a word of prayer and then we'll go into our study for uh, this Shabbat. Eternal Father, we thank you for another privilege of being able to come before you. And as we continue to study about Chevy that we may have a clear understanding as just what you would have us to do and not only what you would have us to do, but when you want us to do it. So we ask for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and to be our guide and to move us into the area of truth that we may properly understand the word that you have given to Moshe that we may be in harmony with it and as we continue to celebrate the Feast of Shavuot, we can know that we are in harmony with what you have written now bless me bless each one who is listened, and bless all of us collectively that we may have a Sabbath day's blessing We pray this prayer in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. So I've said we are discussing uh, Shaviot. So we want to turn into uh, Leviticus. And in Leviticus, we want to look at verse 5, Leviticus 23, 5. And here the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 23, and consider in verse 5 it says in the 14th day of the first month at even is your horse passover so now according to the scriptures passover came in the evening of the 14th day of the month of abib which was the first month of the hebrew calendar then on the 15th of the same month was the feast of unleavened bread so from the 15th through the 21st would be the week of unleavened bread a period of 7 days so the scripture teaches that the wave sheaf was to be brought to the priest now I want us to turn to uh, Leviticus chapter chapter 23 and verse 15 Leviticus chapter 23, verse 15. Verse 15 says, It says, And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Shabbat, from one day that ye brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. So when we look at this particular passage, they talk about the wave offering. So when the scriptures teach that the wave sheave was to be brought to the priest to be waved on the morrow after the Shabbat, so what we have to understand is that the first fruit offering brought to the officiating priest was to be waved the day after the Shabbat in the week of unleavened bread. As we pointed out, That the feast of unleavened bread lasted seven days from the first, from the 15th day through the 21st day of the first month. By a feast lasting seven days, this would mean that at least one of those days would be the weekly Shabbat. Thus, this would mean that during the week of unleavened bread, the Sabbath is to be associated with it is the one which speaks about the morrow after the Shabbat. He said, ye brought the sheaf of the wave offering. It was this Shabbat that the priests would start counting the oath which would be the day after the Shabbat, which is associated with unleavened bread. So what it is saying here, that when we read in verse 15, it is saying, ye shall count from the morrow after the Shabbat, the day that you brought the wave sheave offering. So so in other words, whenever we know when they brought the wave sheave offering, then there's a Shabbat that is connected with it. And it says, now, once you know when they brought the wave sheave offering, then you look out for that Sabbath that is associated with it. And then once you understand the Sabbath that is associated with the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the day after that Sabbath, the Bible says, you begin to count seven weeks. Now, according to the Gregorian calendar, the one that we use, the 15th of a beef to the 21st of Abiv, would correspond to our April the 6th, a Thursday, through April the 12th, a Wednesday. And this would mean that April the 8th, which was a Shabbat, the morrow after the Shabbat would be first fruits, which would be April the ninth. It is after April the eighth that we would start to count seven Shabbats, and in doing so, the first of the seventh Shabbats we count would fall on April the fifteenth. That would be the first one, and after starting with April the fifteenth as the first Shabbat. We would then go on to count six more consecutive Shabbats to complete the seven. Consequently, from April the fifteenth to May the twenty-seventh would complete the number, the numbering of seven complete Shabbats. It was after the counting of the seven complete Shabbats that we are told to number. 50 days. So, once having counted seven Shabbats, of which the seventh Shabbat fell on May the 27th, we we then start counting the 50 more days. Therefore, the numbering of the 50 days would start on the day after the seventh Shabbat was completed, which would be on May the 28th, a Sunday, and to number 50 days. And the 50th day would, be, would fall on Sunday, June the 16th this year. So June the 16th would be at Chevy Oath. So here we find the counting of Chevy Oath, which starts April the 15th and extends to July the 16th of this year. All right, now, what what we want to do, what we want to do here, as we observe what we, we just said, we want to know how to calculate Shaviyot. How, how do you calculate it? There are many people all over the world. They are following Shaviyot. They are keeping Shaviyot, but they may not be keeping it on the right day because they are calculating it. Uh, not as the Bible has laid it out. So what we want to look at is that while myriads of myriads of people who are festival keepers are keeping this day, that they may do so out of the knowledge that they have. But we want to get a knowledge of what the scripture teaches so that we can be in sync with the scriptures. So we want to know how to calculate shavioth. As we pointed out in our preface, there are two questions we focus on in calculating the annual festivals, which includes the Feast of Shabby Oath. Our first question concerns itself with the starting date. When does it start? And the second question is its ending date. So let us start with our first question. When does Shabby start? All right, let's turn back to our text in Leviticus chapter 23, and we want to look at two verses. And we'll be doing a lot of repetition here uh, in order to learn how to calculate uh, uh, Chevy Oath. And they they say repetition is the mother of learning. So we want to learn this thing, and we'll be doing a lot of repetition, and we hope we raise some questions so you can call it in. And the more we're talking about it, the better you will be able to memorize it and to see it. And we trust that you may have a calendar with you and that you may have a pen and pencil so that you can write some of this stuff down. Because I understand if you if you see it, it helps your memory, and if you write it, it helps your memory, and if you hear, it helps your memory. So you got a threefold way of remembering this stuff when you talk about it, when you write it, and when you see it, and it'll be riveted within you. Now, here the Bible tells us in Leviticus chapter 23. And we want to look at verses 15 and 16. It said, And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Shabbat, from the day that ye brought the sheave of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number 50 days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto Yehoah. Okay, now, when does the Shaviot start? Now, we, we, we talked about it that in the introduction, but we're going to go over it. Here in these two texts of scripture, we are given the starting date for Shaviot. Here, we are told that we should start the count from the morrow after the Shabbat from the day that ye brought the sheave of the wave offering. Bef- okay, so when they brought the sheave of the wave offering, they ought to look at and see what Sabbath followed that. And whatever Sabbath followed the offering of the wave sheave, then it's a day after that. You don't count that Sabbath. You count a day after that Sabbath, and then you begin to count seven uh, Sabbaths. However, before proceeding any further, let us get a clear understanding of the first part of this verse. So let us go, uh, in order to get a clarification, let us go back to Leviticus 23, and we want to look at verse 15. Leviticus 23, 15 says, ye shall count unto you the morrow after the shepherd. Okay, I'm going to make that clear. So when we look at uh, this text, it tells us to start the count the morrow after the Shabbat when they brought the sheave of the wave offering. So what we are looking for is the Sabbath after the wave sheave was offered. So when was the wave sheave offered? When was it offered? Okay, well, that's what we need to know. Okay, now I want us to turn to Leviticus chapter 23, and this time we won't to go to verse, verse 11. We're trying to find out when, when, was, this, when was this wave sheath offered, okay? Now, according to Leviticus 23, it reads in verse 11, it said, And he shall wave the sheaf before Yah to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it, okay? All right, so now, according to Leviticus 23, 11, the sheave was waved during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's when it was waved. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread lasted for seven days. Now, let us go to Leviticus chapter 23, and, and this time we're going to look at verse number six. Okay, we've got get a clear understanding of this. And the Bible says, and on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Unto Yehoah, seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. So the Bible says on the 15th, on the 15th they were to eat unleavened bread. Okay, now on that 15th of eating unleavened bread, the Bible says they were to start on the 15th of the month of Abib, which was the first month, And they were to eat that unleavened bread, how long? It says for seven days. So when you count seven days from the month of bee from the 15th, and you count seven days, you arrive at the 21st date. So the 21st day was the end of unleavened bread. But what we count is that we have the 15th to the 21st. Now, within the 15th to the 21st, you're going to have a Sabbath in there, okay? So once you had that Sabbath that is connected with that, then the Bible is saying that's when you begin your count of the seventh Sabbath. You wait until you get that first Sabbath in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and when you do that, the following Sabbath, you begin to count, okay? So, uh, whenever... A feast lasts seven days or more, there will be a Sabbath. Because the Sabbath comes around every every week. So anytime you have more than seven day feasts, you're gonna you gonna have a Sabbath. So he's telling after that Sabbath, you begin to count. Now, what I want you to see too is that generally when you're dealing with savvy oath, one of the things that you want to keep in mind is the fact that oftentimes the way you start the counting, and you're going to have two counts, most everybody have two counts, but most everybody don't uh, interpret the two counts the same way. But usually when Elohim tell you to count after the Sabbath in the first count in the second count, he's going to be telling he he'll, he'll also be telling you to start the counting after the Shabbat. So keep that in mind It's after the Shabbat, that Sabbath that you begin to keep this thing. after the Shabbat you begin to count. After the Shabbat, you begin to count. Moreover, uh, when we look at the counting uh, 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 of it, sometimes they call it the counting of the Omer or whatever. But when you started the counting, it's going to be at least two countings. We'll be getting into that. So what we see here in this text, the count started after the Shabbat, they brought the sheave of the wave offering. So what we are looking for is that Sabbath, and that Sabbath is the one that is connected with unleavened bread. So when was the wave sheave offered? It was offered that Sabbath, after that Sabbath that was connected with unleavened bread. Now, uh, what we must also understand is that the feast of first fruits occurred within the week of unleavened bread. We can look at the feast of first fruits as a feast that is within a feast in the sense that when it takes place a feast is already in progress which is the feast of unleavened bread. So when first fruits comes we already are in a feast. We are in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And while we are in that feast, Elohim says, I got another feast within a feast, which is the feast of first fruits. So while you're celebrating Feast of Unleavened Bread, I'm giving you another feast to celebrate, which is first fruits. And first fruits is going to come after that Sabbath that is connected with Unleavened Bread. After that, the day after that, which would be the first day, or what we call Sunday, because every time you count a day after the Sabbath, it's gonna be the first day of the week. I don't care how how you calculate it. Every time you count a day after the Sabbath, it's gonna be the first day. According to scripture, the first feast, which is Passover, commenced on the evening of the first month on the 14th day. Then on the 15th day, was the start of unleavened bread. Now, in the week of unleavened bread, which starts on the 15th of the month of Abib, and extends to the 21st, a period of seven days, let us say that the Passover was on the 14th, and unleavened bread, according to the Bible, is on the 15th, and on first fruits it fell Within the week of Unleavened Bread, however, upon the Sabbath, which is associated itself to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, would be the Sabbath of which a day after it, we would begin to count the seven Shabbats. So once we discover that Sabbath that is connected with Unleavened Bread, we begin not with that Sabbath. We only start counting the Sabbath, after that Sabbath, and we'll count seven complete Sabbaths. Now, by way of what we have just learned is that after the Sabbath, which is a part of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we start to count seven Shabbats. The main thing that we must keep in mind is that no matter what day of the week Unleavened Bread falls upon, the day after the Sabbath, which is, uh, which accompanies it, it would start the counting of the seven Shabbats. Once having counted the seven Shabbats, this is where most feast keepers add one more day equaling 50 days. Thus, what they did was count seven Shabbats and one day to equal 50 days. And while this way of calculating Shabbat is correct, but not exactly right. However, at this juxtaposition, what we want to examine is why this type of calculation is in question. That when you have seven Shabbats and then you turn around and add one day and say it's fifty days. why is this in question? We want to look at that okay now what we what we want to understand is is that we we got two counts. The first count is seven Shabbats. The second count is what? The second count is the count fifty days, okay so we want we want to do a little calculation here, okay now the calculation question, we wanna look at that, the calculation question. In dealing with the calculating of the Feast of Chevy Oath, we want to first start with its name. This part of our study we call the Nomenclature Study. Now, when we talk about the nomenclature, that's N-O-M-E-N-C-L-A-T-U-R-E, nomenclature, N-O-M-E-N-C-L-A-T-U-R-E. So we wanna look at the nomenclature study. The nomenclature study concerns itself with the science of naming, classifying, or categorizing that which one is dealing with. So when we deal with nomenclature, we dealing with the science, the science of naming something, okay? So when we understand the science of naming something, we have to understand this particular science. So where do we learn this science of nomenclature? Is it in the Bible? Well, it certainly is. So let us turn to the book of Genesis. We want to turn to the book of Genesis, and in the Genesis, we want to look look at chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and we want to consider verses 19 and 20. Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. And the Bible says, starting with verse 19 of the second chapter of Genesis, and out of the ground, Yah Elohim formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them and whatsoever Adam called every living creature. That was a name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to all and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field, but for Adam, there was not found and help for him. Now, these two verses are talking about the ability of Adam to name the creatures. And this is where we get the nomenclature is of how to name things. Now, this nomenclature science is one of the first science Elohim gifted Adam with after creating him. He had put that science in him. The scriptures tell us that Yah Elohim brought the beasts of the field and every fowl of the air unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field, just as there is in importance in naming the creatures, even so in the naming of the festivals. However, it was Elohim himself who named the annual festivals. If he named Oath, which means the Feast of Weeks, consequently, if he named Oath, which is a feast lasting for weeks, why would this be important to know that Shavioth was a feast that would be for several weeks. Why is that important? Outside of the feast of Shavioth, the other annual feasts are given to us as the amount of days they were to be held. Whereas in Shavioth, the emphasis is not on days, but rather weeks. Elohim says Shavioth would be a feast of weeks. So we must understand Shavioth is first emphasizing not days, it is emphasizing a feast of weeks. Matter of fact, Shavioth is the longest, is the longest festival out of all of the festival, out of all of the annual fest- festivals that he gave. And it seemed like this being the longest festival, it seemed like it's the less steady festival. You, they speak more about Passover and Day of Atonement and, 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 and Chukot. but when it comes to Shavuot, which is the longest feast, look like it's studied less than any of the feasts that Elohim had given. So if Yah is emphasizing weeks rather than days, then how is it that when many speak about Shavuot, they do so by stating that it is fifty days? Apparently, this fifty days have come from the book of Acts, where it speaks about the day of Pentecost. Okay, I'm going to use a text. I don't know if I put it in my script here. Let us use Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, After Acts 2 and 1. Now, when we deal with Acts 2 and 1, now the Bible tells us this in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all of one accord in one place. Okay, now there's nowhere in the Torah that says that Shavuot is 50 days, even though it says here in Pentecost it talks about the day of Pentecost. Okay, it said, yeah. You know, when you look at that, it is merely it merely states that after the seventh Sabbath, according to our reading and in verse. Uh, Uh, 16 of uh, in verse 16 of uh, Leviticus chapter 23 the Bible says even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number 50 days okay that's what the Bible says and it merely states that after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number 50 days it would only be logical to interpret this passage meaning that Chevy oaths was a period of 50 days if I have Pentecost in mind. Why is that? Because Pentecost means 50. And so if I got Pentecost in my mind, I'm not thinking about anything else but 50 because that's what Pentecost means. And so if that's what's on my mind, when calculating the amount of days If I start my counting of Chevy oath by focusing upon Pentecost, I would naturally have in mind that since Pentecost means 50, and 50 is an association to the 50 days rather than 50 weeks, if this is the premise whereby one calculates Chevy oath, then the focus is on days, not weeks. So what we end up doing is simply counting seven weeks of days, and after that, we add one more day, making it 50 days. While such a reasoning as this may account for why so many have settled for a 50-day rather than a longer period of time. Now, while such interpretation as this May satisfy the feast of Pentecost, yet it fails to do so with the feast of Oath. As we have pointed out, Shabi Oath is not emphasizing a feast of days, but rather a feast of weeks. Why would we call it a feast of days when Yah calls it a feast of weeks? If the feast of weeks is only 50 days, then we have to ask ourselves, did the Bible say this, or did we come up with this? The Bible only says count 50 days. And for some reason, we took that to mean that it would be 50 days. And by Pentecost carrying the meaning of 50, we automatically say that it is a fifty day feast. Now what we're gonna do, we're gonna stop here on this, uh, we're gonna stop here on this note. I'm gonna let me see. Let me emphasize I'm gonna emphasize just one more thing and then we're gonna stop. Okay. So at this exposition, we're gonna look at the purpose, another way we can observe the way we calculate Chevy Oath. Okay, now I want to go back to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23, verses 15 and 16 again. I want to go back to that. It says here in verse 15 of the 23rd chapter of Leviticus, and ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheave of the wave offering, seven Shabbats shall be complete. Even on the morrow after the seventh Shabbat shall ye number 50 days. Okay. All right, now it says uh, <clears throat> it says two things here. It says, they shall count seven complete Shabbats, and then they shall number fifty days. Okay. Now what we want to do uh, uh, is to stop here, and then next week, your will if we meet next week we want to deal with these two countings you got counting fifth uh counting seven shabbats and then the scripture says i want you to number 50 days counting seven shabbats and then numbering 50 days father we thank you thus far that as we have continued in studying Chevy Oath, that you would eventually give us a clear understanding of how to calculate it so we can be in harmony with your calendar in Yeshua's name. We do ask it. Amen. And amen. Amen. Um,
0: maybe next week too, uh, we mm-hmm. can have some visuals to put up there for them to see maybe even a calendar and to be walk us through, because just like how you stated the dates today, I think we should mm-hmm. be able to put together a, a calendar that we can show visually also for yeah. next
1: week. Okay, we'll see what we're going to work on. Yeah, that sounds good. So, uh,
0: so we are to count seven Shabbats, seven weeks, mm-hmm. which would mm-hmm. equal 49 days. Right. And then we are to count another 50 days mm-hmm. after that. So, with mm-hmm. basically counting a total of ninety-nine days, if we were counting uh, right. days, mm-hmm. that's correct. Okay, so the festival weeks come in with the seven weeks, the seven Shabbats mm-hmm. uh, that we are counting, mm-hmm. and then plus the fifty. Right.
1: Okay. And we'll 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 next week we should be dealing more detail with that, that particular counting. So when we count it, we all know what we are counting and, and why we are counting that way. All right.
0: And, uh, we have a question that was emailed and the question is, how is it that most feast keepers don't count the 50 days if you have
1: explained it today? Great question. Okay. Well, you know, I don't know for everybody, but I'm going to kind of hit some broad uh, thinking here. Uh, Number one is is that uh, the latter part of my discourse t- uh, today I was dealing with Pentecost. Okay, so when you deal with Penti, that's a Greek word, and I'll be getting more into this. And Penti means fifty. So they'll take the fifty, mean fifty days. Now it would not be logical to have fifty Sabbaths because if you have fifty Sabbaths then you, you, you're talking about at least having a number of years before you have Pentecost if you said 50 Shabbats, okay? Uh-huh. But you're talking about 50 days. And so by the Greek writer, in which Luke was a Greek writer, and I'm not sure if he put Pentecost there rather than Shavuot, but we do know that he was not a Jew and he wrote, you know, for the Gentile world. Now, he may have put Pentecost there, but Pentecost has caused many to believe that it was a 50-day feast, and especially to people who are uh, what we might call uh, new festival keepers. So when you read in the New Testament about the Feast of Shabby and they don't say Shabby and they say Pentecost, And you know, Pentecost Pentecost means 50. They settle for that. Now, the other thing that we want to look at historically is that when you read the manuscripts of the Bible, Shevioth was before Pentecost. So if something precedes that which you are dealing with, you can't take the second emphasis over the first because the first one came from Moshe, and Moshe, or Moses, when he went up into the mountain to get the tablets and the writings that Elohim had given to him, Elohim told him that it should be seven Shabbats in 50 days. That's what he told Moses, and Moses gave that to the people. So as time went on, this is what they did. And as a result of coming up to our day, Uh, We, who are his original people, because we broke the covenant, we scattered all around the world. And so when we scattered all around the world, and then the other people who claim to be that they are Jews, they began to pick up things that were taught by Elohim's people being scattered in different parts of the world And as they picked up those things that they had, they may have not understood the counting as the Bible said it, because what was happening is many of the true people, when they were scattered, some of them may not have kept it correctly, but we do know that when you go over to Africa and different places, there are Hebrew names for the rivers and some of the land, and and the people still have the Hebrew land names. and as a result of having the Hebrew background, they discovered also that they were keeping these these festival days. But then, when you come to out to the mainstream of what I what they call Christianity, which is a religion, and Elohim never gave a religion, but they have these religions, and so, when they looked in the Bible and started imitating what the Hebrews were doing, and they looked around and they looked at uh, the Scriptures, and we know that Catholicism has a lot to do with the changing of the Scriptures, because we we already know, a book, according to the book of Daniel, 720, uh, 7.25, where it says they should think to change times and laws, and when they changed the times and laws, it was not only the changing of the weekly Sabbath, but the annual Sabbath, and then particularly what we're talking about today, Shavvy Oath, that was also changed. So when you look at the fact that uh, when people started keeping it, because in the days in which the papacy was uh, putting people in the Inquisition and killing a lot of uh, people and taking their lives because they were not in harmony with the religion of the Catholics, then a lot of people they kind of went underground with the church, and when they went underground with the church, and then they came out from under that, and they started reading the Bible, what did they see? Instead of seeing Shavio, they saw what? They saw Pentecost, and then in the 12th chapter of the book of Acts, the Bible says, it was talking about uh, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, but if you read in the book of Acts, it says Passover. Now, how did Passover get in the book of Acts? Uh, not Passover. They had the word Easter. They were celebrating Passover, but the Bible said that Herod was waiting until after Easter to kill Peter. So why in the book of Acts, why do they have the word Easter? Easter was not even in existence at the time uh, that Passover was at this time in history. Easter came later on. So whoever translated the scriptures, they was translating the scriptures from a modern standpoint. Back to a historical standpoint, they were taking things that happened in the future and putting it back to those things that was happening in the past. So here you have Pentecost and you have Easter in the Bible that is that is coming out. And so when they eventually started keeping Passover, they didn't look back at Chevy Oath. they looked back at Pentecost. And today many who keep the festival look back at Pentecost. Even my son and I, we were talking today. And he was telling me that some people, they didn't already celebrated Oath or Pentecost. They do not celebrate it already. And they did it rightly so out of the knowledge that they, they had. They counted seven Shabbats. And once they counted one more day, there was 50 days to correspond with Pentecost. But we're not trying to keep Pentecost. We're trying to keep Oath or what he gave. And I think this is some of the reason behind why they do that is because uh, they don't know how to calculate it. And the ones who do know how to calculate it, they may not go up by the two countings that the Bible says, but they may interpret the two countings differently. This is why I was saying we have to be tolerant with folks who do that, because you can make that mistake. And for some reason, the entire world of feast keepers have not thought to be able to examine this. Now, I think there's one person out there who did examine it, and as a result of him examining it, he brought, brought it to the forefront. But I don't hear too many more people making uh, a case out of it and going into it and studying it to make sure that it's according to what Elohim wanted. So it's out of tradition that they do it and out of the fact that They are going by Pentecost and out of the fact that they themselves don't know how to calculate it. And so they go by what other people are giving them. But,
0: you know, as I read Leviticus 23, 16, I'll put it back up. Um, And it says, even until morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number fifty days. I think that's where people get confused. I think what some of them are doing is saying, okay, we count seven Sabbaths and that day after that is 50. But when they say, shall ye number, does that Mm mean to count? Mm -hmm. Because I wonder why didn't also they put in like a comma to kind of separate thoughts too in this verse seem like that would clear it up a little bit more. Um if it was maybe a comment to, to basically separate, okay, seven Sabbath, comma, boom, you should number fifty days mm-hmm. in all. And I think it's I think it's more of uh people getting confused with the language. Mm-hmm. And also it is partly Uh, Some people don't study. They just go on what everybody else
1: say. Yeah, they go according to to the traditions of what people pass down to them. Mm -hmm. That's correct.
0: But I think, you know, it's a lot with the wording because, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think a couple of years ago we were discussing this because Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of confused with the language and everything because it is a little
1: tricky. It is. It's quite. quite. uh, You know,
0: but when I say number 50 days, then it sounds like, okay, another 50 on top of that and all. Instead Mm -hmm. of just saying that 50th day, the Sabbath, the seventh Sabbath, that day after is the 50th day. But it's not saying the 50th day. It's saying
1: after that and number 50 Mm days. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's a tricky one, and that trick has uh, uh, more or less... Been able to influence almost the entire world of festival keepers. Almost everybody's doing that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very. It's, o- it's only a few out there that are doing it the way that we are doing it. Yeah, because uh, besides us and
0: the other person you mentioned and the people that listen to him, I don't know of any uh, other people out here who's doing it. I this don't either. Yeah. You know. Um, Are you going to also? Because I know when we had conversations on this before, you brought out about um, why would he put all these feasts right in the spring and then in the fall? That oh, know, we'll be doing summer. all that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly we'll be doing with that. So you want to stay tuned? He's going to explain that because yeah, all, all that stuff coming in there. This, this—if I'm correct, this is the only summer feast, right? Uh, let me see. Because after that, I think, isn't it like tabernacles or something like that
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's that's the only summer we are, But we'll, we'll, we'll point that out. Mm-hmm. You're right. So we have
0: a spring feast, summer feast, and fall feast. And when you think about it, that makes a lot of sense. Like why, especially if you was going to Jerusalem back then and uh, keeping the feast there, that's a lot of traveling within a couple of weeks going back and forth. So it would seem kind of logical that he would have a feast in the summertime. Another reason, too, I wanted to, as far as it goes with pagan holidays, we don't really have a pagan holiday that is kind of based on a biblical holiday in the summer. We have Easter which is in the spring that coincide with Passover, then you know when you go into the fall, you have the uh Halloweens mm-hmm. and the Christmases and the Thanksgivings, but in the summer, I don't really see any type of equivalent now, some people may say Fourth of July, but that's just
1: here in America you know yeah well most most of the uh in in the summer they don't they don't have any, I don't think they have any equivalent
0: uh-uh.
1: and if they do it's, it's you know merely government stuff and yeah uh you know that that they may put out but generally the period they call a uh, summer I think summer comes about the end of June isn't that is that uh, I believe so yeah somewhere about the end of June and they don't uh they don't generally have what I would think any holidays during during that time though. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. No. No. The, let me the, see. the only
0: uh holiday that I can think of is a governmental holidays.
1: Yeah, that's like what I'm saying. Summer. It's mostly the government stuff, but not the churches. They don't think they have anything. Yeah. They may have something in June, but not not the June part that comes for the
0: summer. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that interesting. So I wonder, you know, was that kind of done on purpose to kind of move everything into the keep everything in the spring, as opposed to as Yah have put a summer feast.
1: Uh, yeah, that that may have, but I uh, I think in some instances I wouldn't say in all, but I say in some instances, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, it was not by be, design. Now we know the devil is behind it. He, he designed it. But I think the people who are doing it, I don't know if they know it is by, zi- by design, because even according to their calendar, I think it's uh, the 21st of June is the first day of summer. Uh-huh. And so for you to have Pentecost before that, then you haven't even come into the summer. And then when they look at their particular uh, uh, days, I don't think they have any correspondence in those it's from the summer that size and in June, all the way until it goes to, what is that, uh, August or to somewhere around by September? Yeah. Uh, I don't see anything that the churches have. No. Yeah, they may have Juneteenth, but Juneteenth comes before the summer.
0: Yeah, because that comes on the 19th. But mm-hmm. that that's not
1: even worldly, because
0: when you look at no, I mean. Christmas, yeah. Easter, those are like kind of worldwide holidays, but Juneteenth, that's just something here in America you mm-hmm. know yeah. that's true yeah alright with that we will head to our next segment up next is let's talk about that so this week in let's talk about it I want to talk about birthdays Um, when it comes to birthdays according to the bible should we be celebrating them so i want to dig deep in the study into it i pulled up some things when i researched uh birthdays uh some things that i want to show you about birthdays and some of the origins and from there maybe we can conclude whether it's something we should be celebrating or not So if you have your Bibles with me, I want to read. um, You can turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Again, that's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And it reads, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of Elohim so a whole focus we want to do the will of Elohim we want to be correct we want to be right so let's deep dive a little bit into birthdays so one of the first things I found on the origin of birthdays while many cultures develop birthday celebrations separately the Egyptians were the first ones to get the party started when Egyptian pharaohs were crowned gods, when they were birthed. That means the first birthday celebration wasn't the marking the birth of a human, but rather the birth of a god. Interesting. Another early birthday celebration started with the pagans. Pagans believed that a person was especially susceptible to spells of good and evil during their birthday. Wondering why? During the birthday, personal spirits make their appearance. That means you're a bit closer to the spirit world. If you thought birthday wishes were silly, you may want to rethink your beliefs. The idea of spirits was a focal point of for the Greeks. They believed that everyone had a protective spirit or demon present at their birth. This same spirit formed a mystic relationship with the person and continued to watch over them during their lifetime. By celebrating the day you were born, you recognize the closeness of this spirit. This is also supports the idea that birthday celebrations were originally events to create protection. The first mention. Now, this is from an article that I found on uh, firstrebounders.com. The other one previously was from bouquet.com. The first mention of a birthday came from ancient Egypt where large celebrations were put on for the Pharaoh. These celebrations were a coronation dates symbolic of the Pharaoh's birth as a god. The first of these is said to have taken place somewhere around 300 B.C., the first recorded instance, this can be found in the Hebrew Bible, which describes such a celebration for the Egyptian Pharaoh. Like many things, these Egyptian traditions came into use by ancient Greeks. They similarly s- celebrated their gods as a form of tribute. To do this, they offered moon-shaped cakes to the lunar goddess Artemis as a way to recreate the moon's radiance and Artemis's beauty. The Greeks added lit candles to make the cakes look as if they were glowing. This became a tradition carried on to this day. Despite playing host to the most widely celebrated birthday in the world, Christmas early in the Christian church's history, birthdays were considered pagan rituals. In the first few hundred years of existence, they believed birthday celebrations to be evil and would not allow them. So this is just a little bit of some of the things that I found in studying about birthdays. So with that pastor, with them saying birthdays are pagan, They originated as a worship of gods. Is this something we should be celebrating or
1: not? Well, we we can take a look at it. Just like you said, uh, in your research, you was finding that uh, a lot of this started with the uh, pharaohs down in Miseryum, which we call Egypt. Uh And it's interesting that you brought it out because in the 40th chapter of the book of Genesis, in verse 20, it says... And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, Uh that he made a feast unto all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And what we find is that on this day, the butler who was in prison with Joseph and the baker who was in prison with Joseph, Uh that... uh, that when Pharaoh had his birthday, that they brought both of these out of prison. Now, the butler, uh, according to verse 21, it says, and he restored the chief butler unto his uh, butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker in verse 22. So Mm -hmm. what we see, and what we'll see throughout the Bible is that generally when birthdays are mentioned, Mm They are mentioned with some kind of a negativity. Even when you read in the book of Job, I think that's the first chapter in verse four. It, it, well, let's turn to Job chapter one and verse four. Uh, <clears throat> Job, okay, and we want to use chapter one and verse four says, the Bible says, and his sons went and feasted in their house, every one on his day. Now, when it say everyone on his day, they talk about everyone on their birthday. They would get together in their houses. And it says, and when they got together, they sent and they called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. OK. Uh-huh. And so the Bible says in verse five, and it was so. And when the days of their feasting were gone about that, Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning. And he offered burnt offerings according to the number of them. All for Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed Elohim in their hearts. Thus he did continually. So the Bible is saying that perhaps while they were feasting and stuff, I don't know what they did with their sisters. Mm -hmm. But Job said, just in case they sin, I'm going to offer sacrifice. So again, we see here... uh, there's some negativity that is associated with birthdays. And if you remember in the New Testament, that when uh, Philip's daughter had danced before Herod, his brother, mm-hmm. they said that it was uh, Herod's birthday. And because it was his birthday, he wanted something. And so when he had married uh, his brother Philip's wife, then his stepdaughter she danced and she asked his stepdaughter, "What is it that you want to have my kingdom?" So she went and asked her mother, and her mother was mad with John the Baptist because John the Baptist told her she shouldn't have married his brother. He was going against the, the teachings of the scriptures, so he was. She was mad, but she couldn't kill him. Uh-huh. And so when she had a when her daughter danced before Herod and Herod said, "I'll give you anything," she went to her mother. And the mother said, what? She said, I want the head of John the Baptist. And so when he took that back to Herod and said he wants the head of John the Baptist, now he could have said, well, you know, I can't do that. But he had given his word, so he told his man to go and get John the Baptist and to cut off his head and bring it in a charter. Uh And so that's what they did. So again, when we see a birthday, it is connected with negativity. Uh And if you read in the New Testament about birthdays, it says that when they had gotten Yeshua, they were about to crucify him. Mm-hmm. It says that two of the governors or two of the, the administrators in that area, they had been at odds with one another, but it due to the fact that one of them had a birthday, and by having a birthday, they came together when it came to destroying Yeshua. Mm. So every time mm. you read about a birthday in the Bible, it's mostly negative. Now, should we celebrate birthdays or should we not? The Bible don't say we should, or well, it doesn't say we shouldn't, but we have to use our own discretion of what we want to do about those days because I can't teach what scriptures I teach. Mm-hmm. It didn't say we shouldn't or we should, but we have to look at these days and see how we are celebrating it because you know and I know it's, birthdays are sort of like Christmas. Yeah. If if you yeah. give me a gift on my birthday, yeah. then the person who gives the gifts is looking for a gift on his or her birthday. Day. Yeah. You know, and you can get into a lot of stuff. Well, I got you this on my birthday, but you got me this on mine. I got a more expensive gift I gave you than you gave me. I mean, you can get into a whole lot of negativity because that's what I see in the Bible is a lot of negativity went on during birthday. So I would have to say we have to use some form of discretion in dealing with these celebration of birthdays.
0: But even even if it's a pagan uh, tradition and a tradition of the world, is that something really we should be celebrating? Because, I mean, if it's part of the world and the background has nothing to do with Scripture at all, even like with Christmas and Easter and the rest of them.
1: Really, should we be keeping those things? Well, you well, see, when you when you made a hard fast rule, just because, it's, you know, it's pagan and it's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, not a part of the scriptures. One one of the things you're going to run into is the fact that uh, a lot of the clothes that we wear, you know, they they may come from heathen and people who who make them. Mm-hmm. Who do, who do, who do not uh, follow the follow the scriptures?
0: Really?
1: Now I don't. I don't know where sh- the the uh, the shirt and the necktie came from, but I know it didn't come from Chris. It didn't come from the the Torah. Yeah, because you see, many people who are now trying to imitate and do what Elohim wants to do, they are going back to even dressing like the um, uh, the Israelites dressed in days of old. Yeah, you know, and it does tell you even how to make those type of clothes. So if we go to back to everything mm-hmm. that how it's a part of a pagan custom, a lot of the clothes and the shoes
0: and maybe even the
1: hairdos that we have, we will have to probably get rid of it. So mm. I would be very hesitant to try to make a doctrine or something on something that is not really defined, but to use your discretion on what you're doing. OK, just like some people, they may choose to say, well, I'm not going to be celebrating a whole lot of birthdays, but in my own family, mm-hmm. we can, you know, we may can do it because, you know, it might not be too much problem in your own family because, you know, your family, you know, and and you, you may can do it that way. But if we start making hard, fast rules on this, then somebody else is going to bring a hard, fast rules on this. Then somebody going to say, well, if that is really truly true, then we shouldn't even be using the Gregorian calendar because that's that's the calendar of Julius Caesar that comes from the Roman Catholic Church. So we should be using the original Hebrew calendar, which we do try to use, but we corresponded to the calendar that people know. Yeah. So if you get into a problem of dealing with one thing, you're going to have to be there with another and another, another. But I'm of the opinion, if we stick closely to what Elohim wants us to do and do that, and when we come to these questionable areas, mm-hmm. ask for the Spirit to guide you through that as well.
0: Okay.
1: Well, I'm just you know for me,
0: as from what I've read just thus far in studying, and I'm just saying this is just for me um I don't think I can go forward in keeping birthdays anymore, you know, knowing some of the traditions and what it means and everything because I'm like this, you know uh and it and it, honestly, it is uncomfortable because. These are things we've been taught and raised up from, from birth to mm-hmm. say that it was okay. And it just like with anything when you accept some new truth, it's hard to get rid of a lot of things. Like it's hard for some people to get rid of Christmas oh, in, yeah. in in these different things because you are ingrained with it. But what I find interesting too is that Just like how Christmas was, the Catholic Church was against Christmas. It was against birthdays and all these other things. Then they accepting it.
1: We see well, they, sa- mm-hmm. You said the Catholic Church was against Christmas?
0: Mm-hmm. At one point, I thought it was. They were. And then they accepted through merging of the paganism
1: and, and the Catholic uh, Church. Well, you said a Catholic Church? hmm Well, you know, I a Catholic thought- Church, They wasn't a religion. Uh, they was just a pagan uh, nation. They only became a religion when they accepted uh, the so-called Christian religion. Oh. That's why they called it the Holy Roman Empire. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they were just pagan. It was pagan Rome, and then once they accepted a religion, uh-huh. they called it papal Rome. It was being run by a religion then.
0: But I know at one time, though, when the the, um, the stuff I was reading about said, I guess, they were against birthdays that they was against okay. celebrating birthdays. And okay. weren't they against at one point Christmas too, but then they end up accepting
1: it? Mm, well, I, I won't say yeah or no, because okay. I'm not knowing the origin. I know that when they did accept Christianity, they started accepting a lot of other pagan customs that the Romans had. Yeah. And they, they put that with Christianity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, you know... But it's just like today with a lot of the things that's going on with certain institutions of people um, that many years ago, we was, these things were frowned upon. But the more they beat you in the head with it, the more you see other people accepting it, we begin to accept a lot of these things. And I can even say that with things that's going on now. I don't want to call out, per se, but I think if you've been paying attention to the news, you would know what I'm talking about, you know. And I think at some point, it's going to be normal with some of these things that they're doing because they're going to keep beating you in the head and, and, and trying to make it
1: normal, you know. But yeah, th- well, you you can, but see, something like birthdays, uh, it's it's almost like uh, when uh, <clears throat> when Daniel. And now Mishael and Azariah came into uh, Babylon after Nebuchadnezzar had, you know, uh, taken over Judah. Uh Now, there were some things that they they recognized that was probably wrong, but they didn't get into contention with everything that Nebuchadnezzar was doing, you know, because Uh that would have been fruitless, you know, because when he came in there, they they changed all four of their names they changed it and they took the names they didn't they didn't they didn't do like they did in roots uh-huh. they didn't have to be beat half to death you know of accepting the master's name they just they knew they knew what their name was uh-huh. and they knew who they were about so whatever you call them they knew that what they are about and they could have jumped up and said that's a pagan name don't put that thing thing on me but they didn't they didn't worry about that <laughs> they they just went on and when Elohim worked with them and when anything happened, they knew who to, they knew who to come to regardless of what name that they, they changed it to because mm-hmm. they were changing their names to try to make them heathens. But they knew what they believed and whom they, they believed. And so they still stuck to the principles in which they've been taught. So when it came down to their food, that was something they couldn't compromise. And they told, you know, just give us what we can eat and then look at our countenance, and so they did that. But what I'm saying is, some things you can make and contest it, but as you contest it, what is the mileage? Are you gonna get out of it? You know what I mean? Is it really? Is it really? Is it really that that bad? You know, yeah. some things, not all things. Now, some okay. things you're gonna just have to stand for. You know, when it came to the lions den and the fiery furnace, they they say, look here, we we're not gonna bow down. That that ain't. That's not in- negotiable. But yeah. my name, you know, even even Yeshua changed Peter's name to Kefa. He called him Peter. You yeah. know, but what I'm saying is, you have to waste certain things. Like birthdays, to me, it may not be that detrimental. And I'm glad you said what you said. You said for you, yeah. you know, it that that may be for you. So you you may not go with it. You know. Yeah, but
0: you know, it, it's interesting what you just brought out too another connection of the uh, who the true people are, how you brought out how King Nebuchadnezzar changed the Hebrew boy's name and then how in roots Kutakente name was changed. Um, I don't really know of many people outside of Hebrews who went into captivity and their names were changed Mm. and all. Um, we do have a question that was emailed in, and the question is, do we have any idea why Pharaoh had the baker killed? It's interesting because
1: the baker probably made cakes. Mm. So, so what they're asking is why the baker, baker was, was killed? killed? Yes. Okay. Uh, in my study and what I found out, uh, I, I don't know if they have it in the Sifa Bible. But I know in reading the Quran, when I read the Quran, they give another a spin on it. Mm-hmm. And when you put that together with what was going on in the scripture, they were saying that <clears throat> when the two prisoners came in, when Joseph was in the prison and the, 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 the cupbearer and the baker came in, then what was happening was somebody had tried to poison the king and they didn't know who whether the baker or the or the butler, so they had to investigate it. Uh-huh. And so when they investigated it, we know that anything that the king would drink, they, it was responsible for the cup bearer. He had to taste it first. Uh-huh. And when he tasted it, if it didn't taste right, he wouldn't pass it on to the king because he knew if he did and something happened to the king, his life would be on the line. Just like that can be equated with Yeshua. He was our cupbearer. He drank that cup mm. of uh, 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 that he changed that cup of salvation for us. He had to taste it. it and so a cupbearer was very important to the king. Because he knew that once he tasted it, and if it had poison, he got taken out, then they coming after that cupbearer. But they probably discovered, according to my reading, that it was not something that the king drank. But it was something that they put in that food, which was the baker's responsibility. Mm. Because the baker knew that whatever he said for the king, it had to be fit. Mm -hmm. And so when the king probably got something, I don't know if he had another taster. And they got into it and they found out he was doing something to the food. They said, wait a minute, this got to be the baker because he's the chief man. This is why when you open an organization, you got to know what's going on under you and around you. You can't just say, well, I didn't know. No, 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 no. You're the leader. If you're the leader, you got to know. Mm. And they said something for the king. And so the king put them both in jail. And then when they discovered that it was the baker on his birthday, they got both of them out. And he elevated the cupbearer, but he hanged the king because they discovered from the evidence that it was the baker that was trying to poison the king.
0: Wow. Well, this has been a lively podcast. We thank you for your questions. Keep bringing them in. Keep bringing them in. And if you have any suggestions or topics you maybe want us to talk about well, Let's Talk About It, or if you even have any topics that you want the pastor to maybe speak on in regards to the scriptures, please email us at
1: scienceofthecovenant@gmail.com.
0: at gmail.com. Let us know, and we're going to try to make that happen for you.
1: So with that, Pastor, can you take us to the throne? Okay. I love and Father, again, as we are in the study of Chevy Oath, that we may truly come into a knowledge of how to calculate it and when it, when it comes so we can be on the same date on the calendar. Thank you for those who have participated today, that thou would bless them and their families, bless me and my hosts and our families. And most of all, bless us on this Holy Shabbat that we may have a Holy Shabbat blessing that as we prepare for the interest of another week that we may have been refreshed, revitalized, and renewed in such a way and recreated that we can do a greater work this coming week. So bless, keep guide, and direct us. And when the sun sets, may all of the blessings that you had in store for us will have been given to us. In Yeshua's name, we do ask it. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen
0: want to remind you, if you can't check us out live on Saturdays at 3 p.m., you can watch the replay here on YouTube. We are also on Spotify podcast, Apple podcast, Google podcast, uh, all of your major streaming podcasts. You can find us at Psycho or Science of the Covenant. That is our podcast for this week. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. All the paths of Yahuwah are mercy and truth unto such as to keep his covenant and his testimonies. Psalms 2510. Until next week, shalom.